This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 653 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. This week's show is all about light ball moments. First, we've got amateur rider Iris talking about her moments. Secondly, we will have a discussion with Hillary Moore-Hebert to discuss inspiring light bulb moments in our horses. And finally, Reese gives us a personal story for the tip. This is Reese Koppler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. How, how's it going in Florida? I'm good. Did you just hear my puppy wanted to say hi to everybody? Yeah. I, mean, I he, said hi, Phil. Inter- think- maybe he, for- he thought I forgot to introduce him to the show. I know. He's like, hello, I'm on the show too. I'm good. I'm good. It's, um, it's been really busy down here. Not going to lie. Um, which is great. Keeping me out of trouble for sure. I'm going to bed early working on my fitness. I did three miles yesterday. Me and the puppy were out by nine 30. It was great. You had kind of a funny thing happen to you uh, this week, if if anybody follows your Facebook account and, and whatever. So well, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about the challenges of training in Florida? Yeah, so so I know it's very cold up north. And, and you know it's very cold up north because it's very cold in Florida. And when it's very cold in Florida, I did think this was a joke. I, I You see there are falling iguana alerts like all over the news. First of all, which I think is very cute, they do snuggle alerts, which is very sweet. But then they do these falling iguana alerts. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, don't, don't, no. So Monday morning, I um, have uh, long lining lessons with Richard Malgram. He's a good friend of ours. He's been on the show a couple of times. He's great. So I've been working with him with this horse, Marcus, who's who's been part of my life for many years. And um, long lining really helps him. So he comes first thing Monday morning. I have a, I have a, a Richard lesson. So he's right, working with Marcus. I, the puppy and I are standing on the side of the arena, kind of under some trees. And we hear what sounds like a branch falling and an iguana falls out of the tree. I mean, I think all four of us, the puppy, myself, Richard and, and the horse and Marcus, we all just stopped and like, didn't know what to do. <laughs> like, And it was big. I mean, this iguana, like, I don't know. It, it's, 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 it's a decent size creature. And if you know anything about me, I am terrified when, when I mean terrified, like if I see a snake, I am terrified. I have huge fear of snakes and, uh, iguanas are right up there with me. Like I do not like an iguana. So now we're like, Oh, what do you do? So of yeah, course we asked Google, I posted yeah. on Facebook. <laughs> um, but so, so people do actually think they're dead. They're not dead. They're like, frozen. I did not move it. There was no way our landlady, Jenny, who's amazing, just amazing woman got a blanket and wrapped it up. Now I don't, I do not know. Do not, don't, don't send us any messages. Cause I don't know if this is the right thing to do 
but we had to get it out of the arena because that wasn't going to work for our day. Can you imagine trying to ride horses in an arena with a frozen iguana? Like I just couldn't do it. So we did, and, 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 and the arena is shaded for most of the day. So we moved it not super far, but we moved it to the sun. And it did take most of the day for that poor little thing to defrost. Uh, but it did, by the end of the day, we had kind of had an iguana, like we kept watching it. And I rode all day. It never moved. I'm like, oh gosh, this iguana, it's dead, you know? But it did. By the end of the day, it sort of moved its tail a little bit, moved its head, and then it scurried off into the woods. So it is a thing. Well, <laughs> so we have go. another falling First-hand iguana. experience. Yeah. yeah. Who knew training horses in Florida would really have massive lizards flying from the sky. Um, but one of the things that you do find down here is there is nature. There's a lot of weird nature here. The horses sort of have to get used to it. <laughs> weird, like, weird nature, so today, yeah. weird nature. So, uh, you know, those white birds, you see them on the, uh, the ocean, right? There were probably 30 white birds right next to my arena today. And I'm, I'm, I'm training. Thankfully it, it's my sweet bingo who is, 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 if I had been on any other horse, they probably would have just laid down. But Mingo, I mean, he looked at it, but he's such a gentleman. He's like, uh, mom, there's a massive flock of birds right by the arena. I'm like, I know, come on, let's work on the PF. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> birds, we have alligators. I mean, they're fr- weird frogs here. Like it, possums. It, it's, it's just possums, yeah, raccoons. It was a raccoon that almost got me bucked off once in our woods. Yeah, that wasn't good. So, I mean, really weird stuff like that the horses get used to down here. It's so strange. And um, uh, uh, my next door neighbor is a friend of mine, and she had a couple of young horses outside during the flock of birds this afternoon. Those poor young horses, like one almost fell down. I mean, it was just, oh, it was quite a scene on our in our little neighborhood. So, yeah. So you never know when you treat in Florida what you're going to get into. <laughs> so you guys have snow falling off the roof. We have iguanas falling out of trees. You know, there's just challenges there everywhere. Just, yeah, there's challenges all around. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So uh, really, really crazy. So yeah, really, really crazy. All right. But um, all right. Well, maybe we can just uh, we can get to the show. You know. And, yeah, uh, we'll get to the next show week, next we- week. You can uh, update us on 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 the wildlife of. I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep tabs. I'll keep notes White on Pence's all wildlife. the wildlife. Yeah, that's wildlife. what we'll call it. Yeah. Well, the other one was the the squirrel. So we have a, this. Are my last wildlife story for today. Um, but we have a, a squirrel, and we have a starfruit tree kind of by the arena. And I, th- I think the squirrel eats the fermented starfruit because it's 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 a bit of a drunk squirrel. I mean, this squirrel does all kinds of weird stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> it flies. It, it it it's. I think it's a drunk squirrel. Yeah. So that's our other wild that like we have a lot of squirrels that the horses have to deal with. Yeah, it's a thing. So that's my other wildlife for today. But now we're back to the show, Phil. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I th- I think you were kind of the inspiration but behind the the um you know, we w- wanted to talk about uh light bulb moments and we were, you know, we were uh, asking people for the stories and and so we just uh decided to make a whole show about it. We did. And so we hope you enjoy our next couple guests. Uh, we're going to start with Iris. She's great. And um, and I think you'll enjoy her interview. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. 
Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight, I am so happy to have one of my new friends from down here in Florida, Iris Burdrow. She is a Bentley University professor and the MBA director there. Iris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Reese. It's so exciting to be here. I know. You and I have spent quite a lot of time together in the last couple of weeks. We spent Christmas Eve. We have gone on walks. And you've been a great sport because... Um, we were chatting. Um, you're here training with Gerilyn Gibson, who did a great interview a few weeks ago. And uh, we were talking about light bulb moments. And that's sort of our show for today is talking about light bulb moments. And I, at first I asked, I said, do you want to come on? And and you were quiet. And then I think a couple of days later, you're like, I want to come on. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll we'll move into our light bulb moments. Sure. Um, I just want to say it's really exciting to be invited to be on your show, um, Reese and Phil. I've listened to it, and it's just fabulous. So I am an adult amateur um, in you know my winter of my years, and uh, I'm down here with my fabulous horse, Bolero. And we're in an intensive training program down here, so I feel very fortunate that um, I was able to do this. And it is definitely an immersion program. So I'm, I'm just really psyched to be here and psyched to be on the show with you guys. I know. It's super fun. And so tell us a little bit about Bolero. Okay. Bolero NSN. Um, and the NSN is important because it stands for Never Say Never. And I've had some real mm-hmm. horse tragedies. And when I found Bolero just over a year ago, my uh, trainer, Lainey Johnson, and I both said, wow, this is it. And she had always said, you know, never say never. And Bolero NSN came along. <laughs> so he is um, born and bred at uh, Martha Haley's place in Nova Scotia and at Never Say Never Farm. He spent five years in Maine with Bryn Walsh. And then I got him just a year ago, November. And so we're Moving up from training to first, I qualified at first at national finals, right? Sorry, training national finals this year. And I'm down here learning how to do second level. And I'm just really excited. I love it. It's so fun. And, you know, as people know, it's, it's, it's a lot to get here. It's a lot. It's just a lot. It's, it's a, a commitment yeah. on so many levels, uh, but we do have a really good time here. Um, so tell us a little bit about your light bulb moment you, you've recently had. So um, I've really thought about this and, and 
before I get to the examples, if you don't mind, what I'd like to do is talk a little bit about just what I think an aha moment is and what kinds they are. You know, this is something that we talk about all the time, and I, I really had to go and dig a little to to get a real definition. You know, we tend to think of it's something that comes to us that's brand new, and then our trainer looks at us and says, you know, but I've been saying this to you all along, and, you know, just that classic frustration. And it turns out that aha moments really are this um, moment of insight about something that you deep down already knew. You know, it's sort of the current resonating with something that's really buried or suppressed. And that was really interesting to me. Um, You know, this moment of of sudden inspiration or insight, but it's really calling on something that you've already become familiar with at some point. And that's why it feels like this, oh, wow, yeah, right? Because there's something a little bit familiar about it. But there's something that's brand new and exciting. Um, Eureka, and so I, I right? Thought, yeah. I, yeah, I always think back yeah. back to the Eureka story, or you know, stuff like that, where it's like, you know, something something that's been on the surface finally kind of sinks into your subconscious, or just a, a, a realization of uh, maybe a few concepts coming together, and and just you know, thinking thinking like, oh wow, or, or Eureka, right? So. Yeah, or kind of this repackaging of stuff, right? And so then when I thought about what kinds these are, you know, one of them is like this moment of clarity. And I have a great example of this. You know, this is sort of the, oh, that's what you meant. Now I get it. You know, for the, the longest time, my my trainer, Lainey, had been saying to me, you know, as I'm practicing my um, lengthenings on a diagonal, she would keep saying what I thought was send them, send them. And so, you know, I'm like trying to scurry across the diagonal. And then one day I heard it differently. And I looked at her and I said, you've been saying bend him, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was sort of, oh, now I get it. I did that. And it, it worked, you know, much better after that. So part of the ahas are sort of... Um, understanding it more clearly or hearing it correctly and saying, oh, okay. But then there's these other things that are sort of what I call insights. And a great example of this, I was sitting in a session, uh, Charles the Country the other night with JJ Tate. And Charles is such an amazing contributor to the dressage world. But one of the things he kept talking about was that classical dressage is this amplification of the horse's natural gait. I kept thinking, yeah, right, sure. And then he said, he went through this explanation about how a horse walks and exactly how they use their legs. And he made this point that by swinging your own legs, you amplify what the horse is doing. And it just, like, it fell into place for me. It's sort of like, you know, when you look through a kaleidoscope and you turn it a little bit and all of a sudden the pieces are in a completely different picture, mm-hmm. it was like that. It's like, oh, wow, yeah. So the next day I get on Bolero and I'm walking him down the road and I'm, you know, swinging back and forth with him. And all of a sudden it's slow, pokey walk. It's like, we're going, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> Which was really cool. 
And then I think there's other aha moments that are sort of these inspirational moments, like when you sort of figure out what it takes, you know, and um, I remember listening to Laura Graves um, about a year ago and talking to, to Laura's mom, actually, and her saying that when when Laura was um, riding for the Olympics, you know, she would have trouble some days getting in all the steps she needed because she needed these 25,000 steps a day. And I, like, there was this pause, right? I'm sorry, what did you, did you say 25,000? Thousand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Or, you know, Dan, who goes to the gym four to five times a week, and you're sort of like, oh, that's what it takes. Okay. Yes. And so there's all these different kinds of aha moments, you know, but um, I think one of my favorites is when you just, your trainer says something to you, you try it. You're like, oh man, it's right there. It's been there all along. You know, whether it's, I've moved my feet a little bit differently or, um, you know, I, I realize how crooked I sit and I shift. And all of a sudden, my horse is doing exactly what I want him to do. So there's there's different kinds of ahas. And then the other thing is, like, how do you get there, right? How do you get these? Because you can actually do some things to get an aha moment. And um, one of the books I read recently was The Serendipity Mindset by Christian Bush. And he talks about being open to possibility. You know, he says serendipity is, is really just... Uh, a collection of events that happens at the right time. And aha moments are kind of like that, right? And so if you're open to the possibilities of things and see the links between stuff and start putting it together, you can start to think about, wow, so my weight really does translate through the saddle into his back. And, oh, wow. So when he drifts off to the left, it's because I'm telling him to go there. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, and then I think, you know, another way to get to them is to try things in different ways. You know, I, we always talk about using metaphors. You know, it's like if you're trying to explain, if a trainer's trying to explain something to their rider and they keep saying it in the same way, that's not really helpful. It's like, it's not that I didn't hear you, it's that I don't understand you, right? I don't understand how to do this. And so sometimes explaining it um, in different ways can really help, you know, and, and we well, use all these and, and Yeah. Sorry to, I just want to jump in here. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing between a rider and, uh, and their horse. Right. And, um, you, you know, throughout the years I've, I've had a lot of great coaches and whatever, but you know, for me, Part of it is that I've got to work on it and just figure it out myself. Okay, well, that's great, you know, but if I continue to do uh, the same thing, like just practice the same thing in the same way with my horse, uh, it doesn't go anywhere because, you know, either they don't understand or I'm not clicking into, you know, what it, you can't fix the problem if you continue to. I mean, I think there might right. be a saying about doing the same thing and getting the same results and, and you know, you do that forever. Uh, it's insanity. So, yeah. I mean, just being just being open to to, OK, you know, I try to tell my students, let's focus on what what is the result we want to get instead of the exact ABC of how to get there. And that leaves the the we need to be from here to there, you know, and, and the yeah. rider is is free to kind of try different things. 
whatever. It's experimentation, right? And maybe, you know, maybe you, you don't get from A to B, but you, you can sort of figure out the, you know, plot some points that, oh, I want to, you know, and, and uh, for me, like a, a really big example of this is trying to teach a rider how to do a uh, turn on the haunches or a pirouette. Yep. It's it's so oh, hard yeah. because you have to control the so horse hard. in such a way and blah, blah, blah. But I say, you know, here's our intention, you know, and, and you've seen the videos, you've read the books and, and blah, blah, blah. Let's just figure out like how not it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. But you have to be yeah. able to turn the shoulders around the haunches, like really simplify, you know, turn the shoulders around the haunches and you can you are free to experiment with however you want to try to to accomplish that don't don't let me just say like this is what works for me because every horse rider combination is different but this is our intention now you work it out over the next week on how to get there experiment Absolutely. do whatever you know and usually we come back the next week and okay the pirouette's not perfect but we have some building blocks and some things to discuss Doing the same thing, you're never going to get there because y- you either don't understand the intention or you don't understand the the pieces that that help it all come together. Yep. You know, like you said, I was sometimes as a coach because Philip and I are you know, that's what we do, and and there yeah. are times where you find yourself saying the same thing, and 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 yeah. because this this reminds me because I literally once at a horse show I was working on walk pirouettes with two students, and I literally in the break they had ridden their tests. I went to my car and I called Philip and I was like. Uh, I need some help. Like I'm literally saying the same thing and what I'm saying to them is not resonating. So help. (laughs) I phoned a friend basically because I needed a different way to say it. And sometimes that's all it is. It's, it's Philip and I were saying the same thing. He just had a little different spin on it. And as a coach from the reverse side, you're like, Oh my gosh, like why can't this person get it? Which is why sometimes it's great to give them an, you know, that's why, like you said, going to a lecture, listening to zoom meetings, like there's a lot of different ways, reading books. There's a lot of ways to figure out, how to do it along with, like you said, Phil, just go out there, just do it. Just try some different things. Like don't get stuck. And, and that access to all the resources. I mean, it, you know, if there's anything that the pandemic has done for us, it has given us access to stuff. Like um, the last couple of days this week, I'm trying to get um, haunches in. Right. And Carolyn mm-hmm. is, is, explaining it in different ways she's doing it on bolero and then i'm getting on and you know she's actually walking out the pattern for me and at one point she said just go watch some videos and i did so i have the ridley app and you know i got in there and and typed in Trevera and hunches in and you know four videos popped up that really showed me so i could sit and watch it and then I can come back on my horse and I've sort of got that in my head, what that is supposed to look like. I've got the instruction on how to get it. And then on top of that, I've figured out, like, one of the things that I do is I do um, Pilates for riders every morning with this great coach. And they're always talking about balance and shifting balance, you know, and so you play around with it a little bit. Phil, as you said, like, I, I would play around with just looking in a different direction and finding all of a sudden my horse follows my eyes. Wow. Yes. Yes. You have this whole toolkit of stuff that's available to try to work through to get these ahas, right? 
Yeah. We talk about it on the, on the show a lot. I mean, there are so many more resources than there used to be in in riding well. And, you know, if your intention is to compete or, you know, to train a horse or whatever, I mean, it's not just the 45 minutes you put in the saddle and then walk away from it. I mean, it's it's really, you know, hours and, you know, doing a lot of different things to, to try to try to learn how, how to make your inner vision available on, onto the horse. So. And in that mimicking, the other thing that you want to do is is make sure that you've got a clear image. And this is where the mirror walls down here are so fabulous. I mean, and, you know, I come from the northern country, and I think they'd all fall apart in the first winter. Um, so we have some mirrors, but not like these big walls. And so I've really had to train myself down here to look in the mirror and watch myself. And, the you know, the other the other kind of aha moment was, oh, my God, where is my right leg? Like, it's nowhere near where it's supposed to be. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's on his haunches. No wonder he's. <laughs> so it's the mimicking and, and the, the learning, but then also verifying what you're doing, you know, sort of getting this, this truth of your own riding and, and what's going on. Is really interesting. No, it's it's very true, and and that's how it is, which is nice. The mirrors are really really helpful because you're like, yeah. oh wow, look what's actually happening. So you know, I think that's really important. But I mean, Iris, these have been such great tips, and and I think I hope everyone has taken them and and will will get some of these tips and know that these light bulb moments are out there. But sometimes you have to research and look for them and find them. And and I think yes, you've been just an amazing. Yeah. yeah. If I can add just one more thing, and then you have to remember them. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your coach, you know, do something. Write them, them, write them in your journal. Yes. Yeah. Write them in your journal. Great for that. Right. Right. Well, and that's one of the reasons journaling's good, right? Because it, it literally makes you take that light bulb moment, have another little bit of a moment with it in your car, in the tack room, wherever you do it. Um, it's, it's really important. And I think here, when you're, when you're in Florida, because we are so focused here, it's, it's, I find it's a little bit easier in a way when I go home and I have a little bit other things going on. It's, it's a little bit more challenging that I really have to focus on doing that, but it's really true. It's really an important thing. So I love it. Well, Iris, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Thanks, Grace and Phil. This is fun. Thank you. (laughs) Well, we'd love to have you back. This is Sophia Agena. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And I'm Mike Donnell. We're here to tell you about OISA, the Western and English Sales Association, and its podcast, Wisdom by OISA. OISA produces the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives in the equestrian industry. On our show, we talk to people who tell the stories of some of the best-known Western and equestrian brands. Visit wisdombyoisa.com and tune in today. Well, tonight we are so happy to have an old friend of ours back, and it's been way too long since she's been on the show. Hillary Moore Hebert, drum roll, please. Welcome back to the show. Hi, hi, everybody. I mean, it's been way too long, Hillary. I don't, I can't, I don't even know the last time you were on, but we have so missed this you. This is a good thing about the time of it is I decided in, in the equestrian community. You know, when you go to like a horse show and you haven't seen someone in a year, but it was like it was last week. It's yes. really like I've only talked, I haven't talked to you guys in like two days. 
<laughs> or at least a, a couple weeks. I love it. It's been but, a long time, but I'm imagining it was yesterday. Well, you're so sweet. And we're really happy to have you back on. And we are having a great show. And, and Philip and I were chatting and we're like, we need to have Hillary back on and to talk about light bulb moments and just a little mm-hmm. bit about how you have them, how you coach them. And we're just, we're like, Hillary's our girl and we've missed her. So we're glad you're back on. So I'll just let you get going. You've, you've, uh, well, first of all, give us an update on how you're doing. Things have been actually going amazingly well. We shifted stuff a little bit because my son is now old enough to be in school. And because of everything with quarantine restrictions, everything like that, we're actually down at my Florida farm starting a school down here in Florida starts the third ish of August. So we've been down in Florida and I've been remote teaching, which longtime listeners know I do over the winter time with my clients up at my farm in Maryland. I've just been doing that in addition to going back and forth, coaching up there, going to the fall shows. But I've been down here um, with horses since uh, the beginning of August and am staying through the school year this year. So it's been quite a transition, not hugely different because I've always been doing it in the winter. But this time I've been staying down here. I've already been down here for several months. Yeah. That is different for sure. And a lot more people are doing that because of kids and, and, and just the travel back and forth. So I love it. Yeah, Have you enjoyed especially, it? Well, I think especially because of just the fact that um, there's a couple factors. The first is I think the restrictions are a bit more flexible down here, which is not a secret to anyone, but um, it makes it so that you can have a little bit more flexibility and then you can be careful on your own. But traveling to different barns to get training with people, go to shows and everything. They've stayed more open down here, but the climate, because it's more temperate also makes it so that when we're doing that, we're more outside. And so if you go to someone's barn, you can stay very far away from them, you know, park your trailer and go to the outdoor ring. Um, And so because the weather is milder, um, it's allowed us to stay outside more and again, calculate our own risk. So that's, I think one factor, um, as well as the fact that as much as we sometimes worry about um, dressage as a sport and growing, what is going on in South Florida and then also Ocala and some other um, hotspots is just incredible. It just is such a thriving sport. And I think it's wonderful to see that. And so I think people continue to move down the farm sales. It was like hotcakes last spring even after season, um, because I just think that more and more people are coming down to get involved. So it's, I think, really exciting. And for anyone who's ever considered it, I think that coming down to visit to to watch uh, some of the freestyle nights at the big um, CDI international competitions that we have down here, it's an incredible experience. And then you can go to beach next day and hang out and have vacation. Yeah. I'd like to say that we're, we're going to the beach the next day, but Usually we don't, but it's a great thought. <laughs> it's yeah. a great thought that we we actually do it's that. Available. It's available. It is available yeah. if you can. It's available. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, and, and congratulations. You had a great day today at the horse show, which is always fun. Yes. And it ties back to our kind of light bulb moments. So I have a horse who um he's a coming seven-year-old. Uh, for anyone interested in breeding, because I always have people asking, um, he is eye catcher Santa Moore, 
which are some cool bloodlines if you're into, you know, looking back at that stuff. He's been really fun because, um, as some of your listeners know, I have hit the pause button and started to develop a string of young horses that I plan on bringing up as my FBI prospect. And he is the oldest of that group. But it has gotten me back to thinking about the foundation, right? Because we go up the levels. And then when you have to go back and train your own horses from the start, you're kind of back in that place where you don't have the pieces all there, but you know how to build everything. And so it's been really fun for me to do. And I think one thing that's very interesting is it gives you the chance to look at things from a different perspective and kind of almost like reread your favorite book or rewatch your favorite movie. You start to catch all these little things that you never noticed before, or because you have a better understanding, it gives you this. Um, like depth of things that you never got before. And the aha moment I've had is this teaching technique that I've been trying to use to help my students because now I've, you know, done a deep dive into things. And um, I wanted to share it with all of you guys. Well, we, we can't wait to hear it. So <laughs> well, what, what is it? What is your, what is your Hillary yes. wisdom? Okay. So, Everybody has this idea, right, of a horse that is connected from back to front. And it's like a giant rainbow or uh, people also say like a suspension bridge, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very common visual. But what I don't think people talk about as much is what happens with the other kind of rainbow shape. And that is from the front feet and over, or rather up and under the underneck to the mouth. And so I'm not saying it's just about that, but it's more related to sort of those little discussed muscles, things like the thoracic sling stuff in your chest. And I started to think more and more about the visuals we always have with getting the horse connected, moving freely, balanced and everything. And Someone was talking through this with me, and I just came up with this idea of how we want our horse to be on the bit. And it isn't that we're jamming them down. It's that we have kind of this lift that comes from their chest as well. So I've started to think about it, and this is a little out there, but I've started to think about it like on the inside of my horse's front feet to his chin, that it's an older gentleman that lives inside that is trying to get really good at touching his toes. And so you could encourage that person to touch their toes by pushing down, right? By yanking on the bit. But what will happen with that person? They physically can't do it. And so it's going to be uncomfortable for them, right? And until you establish that flexibility, if you force them past their ability, they're going to start to get mentally panicked and they're going to start to think of bracing techniques, right? So where does that come from? Well, if you picture the horse and that um, older gentleman trying to do the same thing, they start to brace in their chest area, right? 
they're trying to block you with counteracting muscles because it hurts and they're trying to stop it. What another thing would be is if you think about with the bit is pulling or pushing against that, right? And so how that relates to everything is maybe just kind of a rough concept, but then it starts to allow you, as I talked about before, to look back at things that maybe you understood to be true, but didn't understand why. One example of it is why is it that a horse, when they are running it on the forehand, have that tendency to kind of take the bit and, and run with it or lift their head up in the air? Well, if you imagine, okay, here you're in a situation where you have that older guy in the yoga class trying to touch his toes, he's bracing with his chest and, you know, lifting his chin up to fight against you when what you want him to do is lift his back up. And so if you think of it like that, rather than that the problem is that the horse is trying to yank the bit out of your hand, that it's more related to the whole picture of that. Then you understand how yanking on the reins all over the place is not going to help you. What you need to do is get the horse into a place where he isn't feeling so much pressure. Now, where that starts to get more complicated, obviously, is back to that better understood concept of the rainbow of the horse's whole body. And that's why, like we, you know, always want in dressage, you have the horse taking more weight behind so that they can lift in front. But again, when you start to add the fact that there's that other factor, then I think that a lot of movements start to make more sense, right? That it isn't just that the horses are magically on two hind legs, but also what are they doing with that chest area, the front leg, and how does that factor in? And so if you can sympathetically stretch them, right, and develop that, then everything becomes easier. And so that's, to me, one way of kind of thinking about those light bulb moments is pausing for a second and thinking, okay, what do we sometimes over-focus on in dressage? And what are some things that are less considered? And how can we think about that as the way to gain a new perspective to an old problem? And that's just one. Obviously, you can get into other things like how do we think about the horse's back, their pole, you know, the way that they accept the bit, stuff like that. So just that one is to me, you know, just sort of this very fluid concept that really helps me a lot in thinking about, okay, when we ask for movement of the shoulder, it's the same way as we kind of touch one toe and then the other. So it's a little less pressure. Um, but still always trying to get the horse to stretch over their back in a very relaxing, guided way that's never past a point of panic. So hopefully, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's kind of this thing I've been playing around with as an idea in the last couple of months. I mean, I, I, I love the discussion because, I mean, I'm dealing with this uh, with, with a current horse I ride. I, I've got a couple of horses that are like, going to be making the transition to pre-St. George. And mm-hmm. uh, I think one of the really important things about that is this, is the shoulder sling, you know, concept of, of lifting up through the withers and, and, and all that, you know, like these horses don't really have to challenge themselves that way until, until that level. I mean, on, on a smaller scale, but now it's kind of like, well, yeah. this is, this, this no, becomes very important. 
this yeah, becomes very important. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's it's a great concept. And you have to you have to think about the individuality of the horse and you have to think about the confirmation, like uh, the horse I'm talking about is a little bit high in the croup. So, um, you know, everything is fluid and soft and lovely. But now that it's got to be more uphill and more more weight bearing on the hips, then the horse has to really en- engage the hindquarters and, and, and all those things. So you have to try to communicate uh, you know, try and get a light bulb moment for the horse to, you know, get them to understand what what you're asking, right? Because you can make, you know, a million transitions. You can do all. I mean, you can do all of the movements and, and whatever. But if if they're not successful in communicating a certain concept towards the horse, then you know, what's the point? And so well, sometimes think- when when I'm trying to get through these problems, I think about what is important here. What's the focus? And, and how, how do I, you know, how do I think sometimes outside of the box and not just inside a, a, a rectangle dressage arena, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and how do I help this horse to understand what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. even if I have to let go of one of the other important concepts to, to try to communicate and, and get there. And so, well, yeah, sometimes you have to be think- creative in, in, in getting the horse to understand and, and to create that light bulb moment for the horse or for your student or, you know, what, whatever it is. Don't you think, and I got very excited about this because I was worried that you were going to um, not keep talking about this one thing. Um, when you said that the horse is higher in the wither, don't you think too, that when you are in a situation where you have uh, hind end engagement you know, collection, uphill balance, all this stuff. I think that also you're intuitively thinking about that, how the horse's confirmation really, I think, uh, not just in back, but also in the wither and chest affects it. And when you said that, the first thing that also came to mind is that sort of cliche people have of racehorses or rather off the track thoroughbreds um, that have now been repurposed uh, as dressage horses or adventures or whatever. Um, as being the opposite problem. But I think that's such a lovely example, what you just said, because then you can start to say, okay, I now am thinking about the fact that I've always thought about the shoulder and whether now I'm, you know, considering it, I guess more. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, I also liked Phil, when you said the horses also have light bulb moments, because when you do teach horses and you, you're training horses and I'm sure you, you, you know, sometimes it happens with flying changes you know, the horses just one day they don't get it. And the next day they're like, got it. And you're like, I don't know really what happened, but it just clicked whatever you the exercise you did or the multiple times you did the exercise, however it was, you know, the horses will also have those light bulb moments. And if it's also strength or, you know, or all a combination of all of that, I think that that's really important to think about as well. When we talk about the light bulb moments and what happens. It's not just people. Sometimes when you train horses, especially youngsters, you know, they just get it one day and you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah, I had that happen usually, as well. Don't you feel like in some cases it's usually the day after you're laying in bed thinking, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out. Maybe this isn't the best match. And for me, I often find that the next day it's like the best ride that I've ever had on them. Because you're kind of right at the end of that plateau. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's all coming together, but you just had to get like all the wires uncrossed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it happens all the time. And, and I think that's so important for, you know, sometimes you just have to either ask it differently, just like people, 
you know, the horses will, will have those moments differently. And I think that that's so important because, you know, here, here, and, and, um, just thinking of, you know, different ways that you can help your horse. I mean, uh, we, we all have our own coaches and stuff who are on the ground and like, you know, telling you, you do this, do th- oh, okay, that didn't work. Try this, try this. But sometimes just, you know, letting, letting go of your ego and having someone else ride your horse. Yeah, that mm-hmm. helps too. You know, I have a couple of jumper students. So, you know, if you're having trouble with flying changes, you just like, hey, can you get on and just feel what you feel and, and give me some feedback about it or, or you know, getting out of your own headspace and, and trying something different because, you know, eventually frustration, you know, comes, comes through you into the horse and it just, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. And, you know, uh, flying changes is a great example of that, you know, so you, you got to be creative in, in, in riding and being a student and also being a trainer and, in uh, using different resources to get those light bulb moments. Yeah, for sure. And don't you also think too, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this, because I don't mean like change it up, like cross training. I mean, actually changing the program and being okay with that. So meaning if you're doing something and it's not working, saying, you know, hey, it might be, but for this horse, this doesn't work. And one really good example that I had with that is a horse that I had that as he was getting older, he just would get tired and heavy uh, as we did kind of our 45 minute rides, which I realized I was kind of packaging up because that's the standard lesson length. But I'm very fortunate to own my own farm. He needs a ton of walk and stretch. And when we went to the shows, I found that if I did that in the morning and then warmed him up for like 15 minutes before the test, he was incredible. So then I started doing that at home where he would have one ride during the day that was like his warm-up ride, get him loose and everything, then let him rest so that he isn't fatigued. And then I would get on him later in the day to do one thing that I would train. And so the conditioning was separated from the theory technique for him. And in his case, that worked much better. He wasn't as burnt out and ring sour because he understood all he had to do then was sort of master this one thing and then he could go back. And he loved the stretch rides because they were so low pressure and he was good at them. So also he felt happiness you know, I think in his mind, because, um, then the fun stuff was longer, whereas the hard stuff was kind of shortened to the point. Yeah. Oh, I think that that's all of it, you know, with, with especially older horses and fitness and that kind of stuff. Well, while my horse, he doesn't want to come out twice a day. I can tell you he's, he wants his nap in the future and he's like, "Uh uh-uh. Don't, don't you be riding. I'm a, I'm a one and done kind of guy. And, you know, so I think it does, it just depends on your horses and, and just like people, sometimes you do have to change it up and, and figure it out. And I, and I think that's sort of part of what we're doing and, and why light bulb moments are, are exciting. Cause sometimes, you know, we as trainers share those, we're like, Oh, this happened, you know, or this happened or, or this helped this student. And, and that's why we wanted to talk about it. And we like people to, to, to share their light bulb moments with us because because I guarantee if you had a light bulb moment with something, it will resonate with someone else. And I think that's, what's so fun about it and, and cool. And that's what trainers do. Like my horse had a light bulb moment doing this and try this. And I think that's so helpful. So uh, Hillary, as always, we love when you come on the show. And so how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions? 
So always on social media, you can find me um, under my name, Hillary Moore Hebert. Um, I also have a website, which is my maiden name, which is Moore Dressage, which is M-O-O-R-E. Um, and obviously they can reach out to you guys and ask if they have any questions for upcoming things. But um, I am always happy to answer questions offline or in future episodes. And I hope that um, all of you guys have a wonderful evening. Awesome. Thank you, Hillary. Well, Phil, we talk about it all the time, but I have been using the shoulder relief curse for years. And it it's really funny because I had a horse this week who was acting a little bit funny and I changed the girth and I put, he, he didn't go in a shoulder relief girth. And I just said, I'm just going to try it. And because he was a little bit sore behind his elbow, like I was like, this is strange. So I thought, Oh, I'll just put one of my shoulder relief girths on him. I can't tell you the difference in the horse. He was clearly uncomfortable from his girth, like the actual fit of his girth. And uh, I was so glad that I had this style of girth and the ability to change it. Um, so something just to think about sometimes, you know, with tack and the horse has changed his body a little bit since he's been here in Florida, he's a little bit, he's gained some weight and gained some muscle. So I think like literally the fit wasn't as good from his girth and, uh, the shoulder relief girths, they're fantastic products. And, um, I don't know. Have you had that experience before, Phil? Well, I just think, you know, anything that can solve a problem, you know, easily, yeah. is is worth investing in you know so better fitting tack is for sure one of them because you can notice a real dramatic difference the thought that's gone into the design of these products is great and they can solve a lot of your girthing issues so um, go ahead and check them out at totalsaddlefit.com This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, we've got a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week because, you know, this was the inspiration to the show. And sometimes you're just very good and you go along with what I like want to do. But um, I was riding and I had my own light bulb moment. And, you know... And this, it, it's actually really quite simple. I was having trouble turning left. Uh, and in the Grand Prix, you come up the center line quite often and you have to do things like um, the zigzag um, and or pirouettes. Uh, you make that turn a lot. And I was really struggling with that turn. And a lot of times in, in the Grand Prix, for example, you come off of an extended canter, flying change. You have to really ride your corner and be ready for your canter zigzag, which is three steps to the left six steps to the right, six steps to the left, six steps to the right, three steps to the left, and then a flying change. That's a zigzag. So you have to start well, because if you don't start well, it's not going to end well, I can tell you. So I was having a lot of trouble with that turn. And my coach, Scott Hassler, who I've been working with forever, 10 years at least, he said, hey, what's going on with your right forearm and your right rein? <laughs> and I was like, oh. I wasn't using my right forearm and or my right rein at all in the turn. I was, I don't know what I was trying to do. It didn't, wasn't working. Um, yeah. So I just took a little bit more pressure on my right rein, took my forearm a little bit toward the center of it, not crossing the withers, but just in my mind, just engaged my right arm. And, uh, wow, my horse turned like a, like, like a, I don't know, on a dime. I was like, oh, okay. So 
And it's a simple thing, but I had overanalyzed this turn. I mean, like at night, like wake up at two in the morning, like, why can't I make this turn? And it's, uh, um, so sometimes just stepping back and, and just something very simple is so helpful. So that was my current light bulb moment. Sounds silly, uh, but it's changed my life a lot. I'm getting a little bit more sleep. Now I'm just obsessing about a few more things, um, but it's really been helpful. <laughs> it's really helped that. Um, yeah, this is a good one. I mean, I've been uh, actually practicing a little bit of, uh, you know, the the ability to turn um, on my own horses recently. I think it's important to make good uh, suppleness corners, but then, you know, what happens when your corners are maybe a little bit too supple and you're not using enough outside rain, the horses kind of fall to the outside as you're trying to uh to turn them and that and like you said that's not really good when you're coming down on the center line in in the corners you (laughs) know you can let it slide a little bit right because you know you've got you've got a few steps and and you can straighten and and do something else but i mean it becomes very challenging you know when you turn down the center line you got to be straight right away or you know you got to come down the center line and do something then you know that's a bit of a bit of an issue so um what i've been practicing is a little bit of uh you know taking the horses away from the wall and uh, and just riding a straight line to walk, quarter pirouette turn, and trotting right out again. So it just sort of helps me to make sure that the horses are aligned, and then you're turning, and then you're and then you're going on, so that you're really focusing on the turn and the balance in the turn. And this is great for, you know, making sure the horse's hind legs are underneath them and, and all that great stuff. So I, I think I mean it's 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 fantastic to continue to. Um, have light bulb moments. I, I sort of get su- surprised by them sometimes because you know you and I, you know, we we write a lot, we read a lot of books, we talk about it on our show, and all of that. And and what's awesome about uh, uh, writing and and just uh, pursuing an endeavor in which you'll never be perfect at, you you can still have you know light bulb moments, and you can you can have them with your students. You can have. I mean, it's it's just it's it's wonderful. Yeah, it's so cool. So keep sharing them with us because we we love it. And we, you know, when we get them, we'll share them. Because again, sometimes my light bulb moment may resonate with someone else, or you're, you know, it's it's a really cool thing. And and I hope you learned something on the show today because it is true. Like it, these are things that we know. Like I know I need to use my outside brain in the turn. Uh, I thought I was doing it, obviously, but I wasn't. <laughs> you know, and and so it was just like, oh yeah, oh, oh okay, yeah course. And, and my horse is very, very thankful for it. <laughs> that was for sure. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and I hope everybody enjoyed the show and enjoyed the idea and keep them coming. Cause as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs, send them to us and we will get them on the show. Well, as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search dressage radio show, follow us on Twitter at horse radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to have a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you next week.